Good afternoon. I'm John Salticchio, Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development, and welcome to this week's Recovery Weekly Check-In uh, with DEMPED. Uh, today, I'm joined by a number of uh, panelists, uh, which we're excited to hear from. Uh, first up is uh, Director Sean Townsend, uh, the Director of the Mayor's Office of Nightlife and Culture, followed by Mila Kaufman, who's the Executive Director of the D.C. Health Exchange Authority, and then Marianne Lombardi, the Associate Director, uh, D.C. Office of Creative Affairs. Uh, and she'll be joined by uh, visual artist and photographer, uh, Violetta Markaloo, uh, who's going to talk to us a little bit more about uh, the creatives in the economy uh, a little bit later. Uh, but just a quick reminder, if you're listening on the phone, uh, if you do have a question uh, throughout the program, you could hit zero. That'll give us a chance to see you uh, in the queue and uh, bring you into the uh, show a little bit later. Uh, so first up, I want to bring Sean Townsend into the conversation. Uh, Sean and I were at the Rammies uh, this uh, Sunday, and then on Monday, Mayor Bowser officially announced uh, the Streetery Winter Ready uh, Grant Program, uh, an opportunity for streeteries uh, and restaurants that have streeteries to apply for a $6,000 one-time grant, uh, which will allow them to buy the uh, hard uh, costs that they have to cover the hard costs, as well as the soft costs that they have uh, to get ready as we transition from summer into fall and then eventually into winter. So I want to welcome Sean Townsend into the uh, program just to give us a little bit of an update on the Shrigery Winter Ready Grant Program. Thank you, Deputy Mayor. And I also would like to thank uh, Mayor Bowser for her leadership uh, throughout this process uh, and the entire DEMPED team and our sister agencies for uh, helping us get this off the ground. I just wanted to give a quick update on uh, the, the uh, Streetery Winter Grant Program. Uh, and it's not only uh, the grant itself, uh, it's, a, it's a, a relief package that we, we try to uh, put together amongst uh, a couple of agencies. Uh, so a couple of things I do want to point out about the grant itself. Uh, el eligible um, establishments uh, must have at least 50% uh, district residents, uh, I'm sorry, DC resident as an owner, 50% uh, of the gross receipts must originate in DC, and 50% of the employees must be uh, DC residents as well. So the businesses must be, uh, must uh, one, one of those requirements must apply to the business that uh, submits an application. Uh, in addition to that, a clean hand certificate within the past 90 days, an active business license, uh, and also a, an approved district um, uh, a district of, I'm sorry, a DDOT approval to have outdoor space. That's so much information, I'm, I'm losing it, Deputy Mayor. <laughs> uh, we have begin to, begun to accept applications uh, beginning on Monday, September 21st, so it's our second day, and we've seen a large amount of applications over the past uh, two days. So I would encourage all businesses, if they haven't yet, please do submit your applications to be considered for the grant. In addition to the grant funding, uh, we also announced yesterday that the Office of Risk Management has pushed back their uh, new outdoor dining uh, insurance requirements until January 1, 2022. It was initially slated to go into effect uh, January 1, 2021, but in order to provide additional relief to uh, our restaurants and food retailers, we wanted to make sure that um, that did not happen this January coming, so we have an additional year for that. In addition, I'd like to thank DCRA and SEMS who really worked 
on their end uh, to streamline the process to apply for a tent or propane permit. Uh, both fees have been waived for the tents and propane permits. Uh, it's a one-stop shop application, um, and you would go through our DDOT top system to apply for a propane and or a tent permit. Uh, both of those permits, uh, we are shooting for a 36-hour turnaround time for both uh, tents and propane permits at this time. Uh, if you have any questions about the application process or any of the relief uh, initiatives or opportunities that I just mentioned, feel free to email us at nightlife@dc.gov. Once again, that's nightlife@dc.gov. Uh, on starting on October 1st we'll begin uh, dispersing funds to the uh, award recipients. Uh, between now and then, you will receive a conditional award letter uh, stating, uh, requesting a budget for the items that you intend to spend the grant funds on. So I think I'll pass it back to Deputy Mayor. If there are any questions, once again, nightlife at dc.gov, and that wraps it up. Thanks, Sean. And uh, for those watching at home or listening on the conference line, if you have a question for Sean, uh, you can press it zero now, and that'll put you into the queue uh, when we go to the uh, callers uh, at the end of the program. Um, and Sean, just uh, for our awareness too, so there are also some partners that we're working with to execute upon the grant. Uh, let's uh, give them a shout out as well. Yeah, so the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington and the Latino Economic Development Corporation uh, have both been outstanding partners throughout this process, and um, they are they will continue to help us throughout. Thanks, John. And the reason I wanted to mention uh, those two organizations is because they're going to help us uh, facilitate the grant agreements uh, once we have uh, the applications in, and sometime after October 1st, uh, you'll be hearing from uh, the Mayor's Office of Nightlife and Culture, uh, but you may also hear from one of those two organizations, uh, which is the Restaurant Association or the Latino Economic Development Corporation. So more to come on uh, the Shreedery Winter Ready Grant Program. Uh, and I want to bring in next uh, Mila Kaufman, who's uh, the director of the DC Health uh, Exchange Authority. And what we wanted to talk about, uh, Mila, uh, something you're well-versed in is, you know, a lot of people have seen uh, changing employment status. Uh, businesses have seen changes uh, to their uh, uh, employee counts uh, throughout the year. And so we wanted to have a discussion about uh, that all-important issue, which is health insurance and health coverage uh, for our residents, uh, which we know are sometimes uh, there are self-obtained or obtained uh, through their employers, uh, whether it's a for-profit or a non-profit. So with that, I want to bring in Mila Kaufman just to talk about the work uh, of DC HealthLink. Thank you so much, Deputy Mayor Felchikyu, for all your work and your work with us. It is a privilege to be in public service, especially now and in a city where our mayor is strong and fearless. And what we all do is the difference between life and death and financial security or bankruptcy. So it's a privilege to be with all of you today. The DC Health Benefit Exchange Authority is a private-public partnership that was established by DC policymakers to be responsible for the Affordable Care Act's online health insurance marketplace here in DC called DC HealthLink. Next slide, please. 
although we were the last state to start building our IT system, we were one of four to open on time for business on October 1, 2013. And since we've been open, we have helped the district cut its uninsured rate in half. So now nearly 97% of our residents have health coverage. We in fact rank number two in the nation for the lowest uninsured rate. And we rank number one for our consumer decision support tools for businesses and residents. We've also been recognized by a number of entities, including receiving three Amazon Web Services IT awards, and the Massachusetts Health Connector chose us to replace their old technology for their small businesses and to run it for them. We've also been recognized through many PR news uh, awards for our enrollment and outreach. We cover about 100,000 people, which includes about 80,000 covered through district small businesses as well as nonprofits. We also cover Congress, uh, including their district offices, members, and designated staff. And we provide coverage to about 17,000 residents with individual market coverage. We have 156 different health plans from Aetna, United, Care First, and Kaiser. And for individual residents, we have 25 different health plans from Kaiser as well as Care First. Next slide, please. For COVID-19, I want to walk you through three major things that we've done to help residents and employers. First, I'll talk about what we've done to help residents get insured. Then I'll talk about what we've done to help small businesses and nonprofits get insured and stay insured. And then I'll talk about some of the things that we've done to remove barriers to care to help residents and businesses. Next slide, please. First, what we've done to help residents to get insured. We created a special enrollment period to allow any resident to get insured now and not have to wait until the next open enrollment period. Now, usually a resident has to have a special life event like marriage or uh, a, a child or divorce or moving to the city uh, to qualify outside of open enrollment. We did not want to make anyone wait. So we just opened up our system and said anyone who is uninsured who needs coverage and wants it can come in and get insured. Now that special enrollment was due to expire September 15th. Our board unanimously decided to extend that through January 31st and automatically that will be extended should Mayor Bowser decide to continue or declare a new public health emergency. And what's really important is if a resident signs up today, let's say September 22nd, the resident decides when the coverage should start. The coverage could start September 1 or October 1, so it's immediate, and a person does not have to wait to be covered. We also have a special enrollment for employees and dependents covered through nonprofits and small businesses through DC HealthLink. If those folks 
declined coverage in the past, they can come in and get enrolled now. They don't have to wait until their employer's next open enrollment. And just to share some data points with you, we've had about 5,000 residents who've signed up for individual coverage through this special COVID-19 enrollment. And we've also had about 800 people who signed up for employer-based coverage, who've turned down their coverage in the past. Now, the reason why that's important is because some of those employees may work for a DC business but live in a state like Virginia that relies on the federal exchange. And the federal government did not open up their system for COVID-19. So if people live in states relying on the federal exchange, they cannot get health insurance. And then just another point of comparison, looking at our data. We know that opening up our uh, IT system and open enrollment is important to residents. Comparing this year's enrollment to last year's enrollment, looking on a weekly basis, April, the week of April 5th, we had 71% higher signups this year than last year, the same time period. And through today, we are trending at about 20% higher signups than where we were last year. Next slide, please. Now, what we've done to help small businesses and nonprofits get insured and stay insured. We waived requirements for employers to have a minimum premium contribution. Usually, we require an employer to contribute 50% to the employee's premium. That no longer applies. If the employer can't contribute anything, that employer can still sign up and offer coverage to, uh, to the employees and dependents. We also created a new premium deferment period. And the way that works is employers who are enrolled now can defer their premiums through the public health emergency. And they have 60 days after the public health emergency ends to start paying their premiums. In addition to that, and really a big thank you to our insurance commissioner, Karima Woods, for her emergency orders that protect insurance consumers here in the district. She issued emergency orders in the spring that say that people have a full year to pay back their prior owed premiums, and that starts after the public health emergency ends. We implemented that very quickly for our covered employers. We also never charge late fees or interest for delayed or late premiums. We're also not terminating anyone's coverage. That's another consumer protection in Commissioner Wood's emergency order no terminations of coverage during the public health emergency. And that's been a lifeline. We have about 800 employers who are late on their payments. Usually before COVID, we saw about 75 employers each month be late. Right now we have 800 employers who are just hanging on and the protections adopted by the insurance commissioner are really critical for us and the employers. And we worked with all of our health plans for premium relief, both CareFirst 
as well as United Healthcare, offered $4 million in premium relief to DC HealthLink employers. And we implemented that this summer, so our covered employers saw those premium reductions right away. Next slide, please. I'm gonna conclude by highlighting what we've done to remove barriers to care for residents and businesses. We worked with all of our health plans and they agreed to provide free telemedicine, so no cost telemedicine for a period of time for all care, mental health care, primary care, specialists. So telemedicine, telephone calls, video visits, emails, are, were all free for a period of time. In addition to that, we, our health plans agreed to provide free diagnosis and free testing for COVID-19. And thanks to Commissioner Wood's emergency order, the health plans are also required to provide no-cost treatment for COVID-19. So just to summarize the last slide, all residents have an opportunity to sign up for affordable quality health insurance and the coverage starts immediately. District small businesses and nonprofits can get insured and stay insured and residents and employers have free COVID-19 diagnosis, testing and treatment for all DC HealthLink plans. And I would just like to thank some of the other agencies who worked closely with us. The Department of Employment Services included health insurance information about uh, our availability for all people who were applying for unemployment insurance. And DC Health contact tracers are including our information in their work. So thank you very much and I'm happy to take questions. Thanks so much, Mila. And I noticed in the presentation that you mentioned uh, an extension of the public health emergency. Uh, today, our partners on the council passed legislation uh, to give the mayor the authority to extend the public health emergency until December 31st, uh, 2020. Uh, so we'll look for the mayor uh, to make a decision on that, but uh, it looks like that support will be coming uh, as well. And then uh, important always to kind of share that website uh, where people can get information. And that's dchealthlink.com. Thanks so much, Mila. And we'll come back uh, later because I know folks will have questions. Uh, healthcare coverage is something that has been on many people's minds uh, throughout the pandemic. So thanks for being here today. Uh, next, I want to bring in uh, Marianne uh, Lombardi. Uh, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago, we had uh, Director Gates and Natalie Cofield of 202 Creates here uh, to talk about some of the work that they're doing to uh, help district residents and collaborate uh, with artists and creatives. Uh, and today, uh, Marianne, you're going to talk to us a little bit more about an important initiative uh, that the Office of uh, excuse me, Cable Television, Film, Music, and Entertainment. As many times as I've said it, it always trips me up. Uh, but just to talk to us about a, a new program called Care for Creatives, uh, and you've got a guest, uh, Violetta, who's joined us as well. So Marianne, I'll turn it over to you. Great. Thank you so much, Deputy Mayor. I'm really thrilled to be here. 
Um, yes, my name is Mary Ann Lombardi. I'm the Associate Director of the Creative Affairs Office. And I'd like to take a second to thank uh, our director, Angie Gates, of the Office of Cable TV, Film, Music, and Entertainment for her passion, creativity, and leadership. And of course, I want to thank the mayor, because without her vision, this office, the Creative Affairs Office, would not be in existence. She launched this office back in uh, September of 2019, and we're thrilled to be able to continue her vision for supporting the creative economy. The Creative Affairs Office, we really do three very important things. We're focused on policy and policy awareness, and what that means is that we're looking at creative policy. What kind of policies exist to support our creative entrepreneurs? What policies may need to exist? How do we help create them? How do we look at what is already there, and how do we make it available for the people who, that we serve? We're also really working on infrastructure, and we see infrastructure as a conversation between personal infrastructure, so not just physical infrastructure like space, but also what is the infrastructure that you as a creative or an entrepreneur or a small business need to really do your work and be able to get it done, and that's where this program, Care for Creatives, comes in. We also are working on economic mobility, and this is also a conversation between saving money and earning money, so we're creating programs opportunities, activities for folks to do either of those, those things, to complete their businesses, to do their work, and be able to stay and live in this wonderful district that we have. Next slide. So let's talk about care for creatives. We all need help at some point in time, and these past six months have been incredibly hard for, for many of us. Uh, but we have heard over the years that mental health support has been something that our creative community, that our entrepreneurs have asked for and needed all along. And so we're really excited that the Creative Affairs Office and OCTFME have partnered with GW, specifically the Graduate Program for Education and Human Development, and GW's Community Counseling Services Center to provide pay-what-you-can mental health service for any creative any entrepreneur, any small business owner who may need it. And it's a pretty simple process. Really, all you have to do is email ccscfoggybottom at gw.edu, gwu at edu, and you'll get paired with a clinician. It's been a wonderful program pairing folks who need help with also students who are learning and becoming clinicians. So it's really been a spectacular program so far. So we're thrilled to that. And so you can, we have the email up on the slide, so I hope you can see that. Uh, and also, if you have a question, you can always email me at marianne.lombardi at dc.gov. Next slide. So it is 202 Creates Month, and if you don't know that, you do now. So what does that mean? That means it is Creative Economy Month for everybody to come on down and get creative. If you go to 202creates.com, you'll find out about all the things that are still left to do in September and find out about activities that have already happened. So every September, every year is Creative Economy Month where we celebrate those creatives. Now we're coming down the pike to go to the Mayor's Arts Awards. This is at the end of the month, September 30th. Super excited about it. It is the 35th annual Mayor's Arts Awards. It is going to be televised. We're something that you should be able to see on uh, DCN. It'll be live streamed on all of uh, OCTFME's platforms, so it's something that everybody should go check out. Also, we have Park Up DC. We're going to have a social distance watch party uh, happening at Park Up DC. But you can find out any information about the Mayor's Arts Awards at dcmayorsartsawards.com. 
And I'm kind of excited about our host. You guys want to know who's our host this year? I do. I yeah. do. John, do you want to know who our Absolutely. host is? Absolutely. So our host this year is comedian Tommy Davidson. So oh, wow. I know, isn't that awesome? Yeah, we're pretty excited about that. So if yeah, if you didn't already want to come, you know you want to come now because our host is Tommy Davidson, right? And you're going to get to see awards of all sorts of creatives all over the city, performances, talent. It's going to be quite a show. So is Tommy Davidson going to be on lot five of RFK? Well, he's a, he's a part of the virtual broadcast. I see. Yeah. Okay. I'll be on lot five. I don't know if that'll draw anyone. I, I think so. Okay. You, can you crack some jokes? That was the best I had, actually. Okay. All right. Um, so why don't we uh, just make sure that we give that information. If we can pull it up on the screen again, uh, just to talk about the uh, care for creatives a little bit more. And just kind of how did that come to be? Because I know this is a trying time. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, the health link and how people can connect uh, to the health of their their body, but this is also to help kind of the mind and the soul. So how did this come to be? Yeah, well, I have to give a lot of credit to the creatives who have been saying to us over the years how important it is to have mental health support. And it, it really um, it, it's really because of them, because of them telling us that they need that support, that we really have gone out and found a, a way to provide that for them. You know, and I actually was having a conversation with a colleague of mine who works at GW and runs the uh, CCSC, this Counseling uh, Services Center, and we were talking about how we really need to find support for our creatives, and she was talking about how much they need uh, folks for their clinic to see, and out of that became this really wonderful partnership. And uh, we've got Violetta here. You want to bring her into the conversation? We've got uh, heard from all the government folks. Now let's hear from a creative directly. Uh, absolutely. This is uh, Violetta Markalu, who is a photographer and a uh, visual artist. And Violetta, do you mind telling folks about the work that you do? Sure. First, I want to say thank you, Marianne, for having me, and thank you all. Um, just extremely pleased and, and uh, surprised to get your email about the Care for Creatives initiative, and uh, just really happy we connected. Um, I'm a photographer and visual artist. I live in D.C. I live in Adams Morgan. And uh, I've been a photographer for 20 years. Um, I'm passionate about helping people discover themselves through uh, my portraiture, helping uh, them to create the image they want to see of themselves, to pro you know project their authentic self and uh, their business in the exact right light that they that they want. So that's what I do. Fantastic. And some of the uh, audience will be able to see if they're watching on Channel 16 or Facebook. Uh, some of the work that you've done. You want to tell us about uh, Lady Clipper on U Street? Absolutely. Um, right now what you're looking at is my current um, photo series called Inbox Full. And Inbox Full is a metaphor for the mind uh, because at the start of this pandemic, I was you know, going through a lot of anxiety and uh, a lot of change, obviously inundated with uh, paperwork and grants and filing for unemployment. So a lot of uh, mental and emotional stress and um, I really wanted to bring awareness to what our, our fellow creatives, small business entrepreneurs are going through. Um, I had a front row seat to it. And, um, you know, I just started reaching out to the community around me. And, uh, yes, Leslie, I was following her on Instagram. And um, I saw that she was speaking about uh, what a difficult time she was having. And I asked her, I said, would you be part of my series and share your experience with me? So 
yeah, she said, absolutely, I would love to. And I took her portrait um, and also uh, did an interview with her and transcribed all her, her words and was able to tell her story and how she's coping through this really difficult time. Absolutely, and I think we have one more uh, slide to show. Yeah, this is um, Louis Hankins. He's the owner of El Techo uh, Rio Loco. That is a rooftop um, bar and restaurant, a Mexican right next to the Howard Theater. And um, he started as a food truck, and he really went through a really, a very, very trying time for three years getting a permit for his rooftop. And, um, you know, this business means everything to him, so potentially losing it was causing him a lot of health problems, um, you know, chest pains and just a lot of mental and emotional stress. And I knew that um, he's a friend of mine. And uh, I said, would you, would you let me uh, take your portrait? Um, and there he was, and it was the golden hour. And, you know, this, this picture says a lot because you could see all the, the stress on his face. Um, so, and anyone who wants to see um, and read about the stories of our uh, creatives and small business owners and entrepreneurs, uh, I profiled uh, 13 of them for this first series. Um, you can see that on my website under the series category. And um, yeah, I'm uh, working on the second phase of the series right now. And could you share your website? Too, yeah, absolutely. It's my name, so it's violettamarkelu.com. Great. Uh, <laughs> and we'll make sure we share that uh, on our social media as well. Uh, we do have a couple of questions, uh, and they've come in from uh, social media as well as some callers. I think we might be having a little bit of trouble with the call line, uh, but you can still press zero and we'll be able to get the question and then I'll try to uh, dish them out uh, as we get them. Uh, so as you can imagine, there's a couple questions for Sean. Uh, the first one, Sean, is from Jennifer who asked, uh, so the uh, grant award is $6,000. How much of it uh, can be used for hard costs versus soft costs? So the soft costs in terms of uh, marketing or advertising, we uh, we will allow up to a third of the six thousand to be used for for soft costs. All of the hard costs, including your uh, equipment, lighting, uh, propane, uh, heaters, those those types of things will be your hard costs, and uh, you have to use seventy percent of the uh, of the funding for for that. But a third of it can be used for for advertising and marketing. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, another question, if we could stick with you, Sean, is uh, Ahmed in War Two had a question about permits. Uh, there are uh, are there temporary permits uh, to apply for uh, for like a newly acquired restaurants? So I guess the Shrewsbury program. How do they uh, apply? Yeah, if he's a, a new restaurant, he can. Uh, there is a section on uh, coronavirus.dc.gov under phase two, uh, reimagining outdoor spaces. There's a, a ton of information uh, on that site that uh, it actually takes you to uh, DDOT's website top where you can start applying for uh, outdoor space. And it also uh, provides a guide to help you help get you through the process for uh, an outdoor permit. Okay. Uh, and next, Mila, there's a question from uh, Kelly. Uh, who's a business owner in Ward 2 and 6, uh, and she wanted to know uh, where does she find out about uh, more resources for business owners uh, to provide employees insurance? And specifically, uh, she was asking about the timeline for setting up, um, uh, I guess, setting up that service, and then also uh, can they choose individual plans or does the employer have to pick a group plan? 
Um, thank you for that question. So go to dchealthlink.com. All the information is there. If you click on the employer button, uh, you will get uh, detailed information. If you want to work with a broker, and by the way, DC HealthLink brokers are free to you, no cost, and they're all on our website. You can work directly with a broker to set up a group health plan. And the way it works is that you, the employer, have lots of choices. Just like large employers had before the Affordable Care Act, now in D.C., small businesses have the same options as large companies. You can offer any level of coverage to your employees. You decide how much to contribute. Your employees can pick any health plan in that level of coverage from any insurance company. So some may pick Care First Blue Cross Blue Shield. Others can pick Kaiser. Others can pick United. And yet others can pick Aetna. You decide how much to contribute. The rest of the premium comes out of the employee's paycheck. Every employee gets what works for them, and we make it very easy. You get one bill from us. Uh, you have other options as an employer. If you decide you want to pick one insurance company and let your employees decide what level of coverage to pick, you can do that as well. Again, go to dchealthlink.com and get all the information you need, and you can also email me directly if you'd like, and my email is mila kaufman, K-O-F-M-A-N, at dc.gov, and I can get you all the information you need, and we look forward to having you as a DC HealthLink customer. So, Mila, thanks for uh, that update. I know you mentioned my health uh, provider, my healthcare provider. Uh, which is a good reminder for folks to get their flu shots. Uh, we're asking everybody to get their flu shot uh, because uh, flu season is upon us. Uh, and if you uh, are looking uh, for a place to get a flu shot, you can actually do it at our F Street uh, coronavirus testing site. So you can get both a coronavirus test uh, as well as a flu shot uh, with a partnership that we're doing with Walgreens. Uh, and so if you uh, come to the F Street uh, site, it's open on weekdays between 8 a.m. and noon. And that will allow uh, you to get both the coronavirus uh, test as well as the flu shot. Now, we do ask for the flu shot that you bring your insurance card and your photo ID uh, for uh, that uh, process. Uh, so next up, we want to bring in a caller. I think uh, we'll see if this can work. Uh, Greg uh, in Ward 2. Uh, Greg, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Absolutely. Greg, Hello? I think you had a, a question. Yeah, I do. Um, so we have a we have a restaurant in Ward Two. It's called Tonic, and we uh, asked shortly after the pandemic started, uh, we started having trouble paying our sales tax because our revenues went down so far. <clears throat> but we uh, got in touch with OTR. We have a payment plan in place with them to pay those past due sales taxes. Um, but because we do have past due taxes, sales taxes, we can't get a clean hand certificate. Uh, that's required by the Streetery grant application. Um, so I'm wondering if there's a way that we could work around that somehow and still be able to apply for the grant because we are following, you know, we're doing what we're supposed to do. We're following the rules and we're making the payments uh, on our payment plan. Is there a way that we can still apply for the grant? Thanks, Greg. That's a good question. And uh, we've actually had conversations with OTR 
uh, prior to the release of the grant. Uh, from, from my understanding, as long as you have a payment plan in place, uh, they will issue you a clean hand certificate uh, for this grant. So I can follow up with you, or if you, if you can email me at nightlife at dc.gov, I'll follow up with you directly uh, so we can discuss that further. That's great. Thanks, Greg, for calling in and uh, with that question. Uh, and Sean, thanks for following up uh, with Greg on that. I know that uh, one thing that the CFO, uh, Jeff DeWitt, likes to say is that, you know, we want to make sure that businesses have that opportunity to stay open. Uh, and this would be an example of uh, if we can work on making sure that uh, Greg and other businesses have a clean hand, uh, that they can get that resource that they need through the grant program. So, Sean, thanks for uh, working with us on that. Uh, so we have another question uh, via Facebook. Uh, this one is uh, for Kristen Barden, uh, and she asks, can we repeat the 50% requirement? So 50% ownership must be D.C. residents. 50% of the gross receipts have to originate in D.C., and 50% of the employees must be uh, D.C. residents. So one of those requirements must apply to the business that's submitting an application. Okay, and uh, that's actually a similar question that we had uh, during the microgrant program. That's correct. So we we just kind of uh, em emulated what we had on the microgrant program. We copied DEMPET, yep. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, we, we're partners, so it's okay to uh, copy every now and then. Uh, but Marianne, so tell us a little bit more about uh, kind of 202 Creates. Uh, we know we have Art All Night coming up. How are we partnering to make sure that we uh, keep the vibrancy of 202 Creates Month and Art All Night and make sure that our creatives and our artists get highlighted uh, this month. Yeah, well, if you go to uh, 202creates.com, you'll find that we have a full calendar of events that are happening. And uh, even though uh, some of our businesses have stopped, uh, our creative activity has not, right? Like our creatives are still working, they're still creating, um, there's still activity, and so if you go to the website, you'll be able to find that there are all sorts of things that you can still take advantage of. Absolutely. And so, uh, Violetta, really interested in the project. Uh, so what made you start it, the project? What, what kind of inspired you to get rolling on it? Well, I just find that in times of struggle, I mean, to overcome um, your fears, just I have to go out and create. And I really, really was wondering and just was curious how all my fellow artists and business people were doing because they're, you know, they're in my community, they're friends of mine, and they're just part of my, my network. Um, and I just really wanted to bring awareness on how just everything they were going through. I mean, you're just inundated with, you know, paperwork grants, unemployment, um, just worrying about the future. Just, there's so many question marks, and I just wanted to bring awareness to um, everything they were going through, and um, just also talk about what, how important they are to the fabric of this community. And, and what surprised you when you were, uh, you know, going through the project? What was surprising to you? Well, I have to say, I wasn't really surprised by anything. Um, I was expecting the full gamut of emotions that people told me, um, from hope to fear to gratitude to I'm pivoting this way because, you know, I expected all of that. And um, 
you know, our creatives and our entrepreneurs, I mean, they use all their, their creative talent and skills to make a situation better. That's, that's what we're good at. So I expected all of them to um, thrive. But I also expected, you know, to hear a lot of um, um, loss and sadness and all the other things that go along with such a massive um, change in our lives. Yeah, and so what uh, what was the reaction when the when the uh, individuals see their portrait? Yeah, uh, they were. I think all across the board, everyone expressed gratitude uh, overwhelmingly uh, to me, just saying thank you for telling our story. I uh, really want people to know what we're going through. Um, just overwhelming. It was gratitude, you know. They 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 wanted to be seen and heard, and I also felt uh, very overwhelmingly that their stories need to be seen and heard. So I'm very happy to do this work and continue this work. And I just add that the mayor, that this this particular photo of Louis, um, who's a a restaurant bar owner, uh, it resonates with me, uh, and I I can see other operators uh, in in this image. Uh, and I can I can also hear other operators in his image as well, uh, just talking about uh, the the stress and the frustration that they've been dealing with over the past couple of months. So I I, I can definitely feel this picture. It's a really good picture. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I think a lot of times we talk about sort of the programs or the resources that the government has to offer to people. Uh, so bring these portraits to us today. Kind of really gives us kind of the reason why we're doing. Uh, everything that we're doing, and also uh, knowing that there's real people who need the help. So I really want to thank you for bringing this to us. Um, I know we had some other questions, too, that we wanted to get to. Uh, Mila, just I guess the big thing, and, and we've talked a lot, I know people have mentioned pivots, uh, and the pivots really uh, that we're experiencing in 2020. So as a business, if they are closing down, what happens in terms of their employees? What's the best advice? for them to plan because I think uh, we even know that we've heard from some restaurateurs that even with the grant program, they may have to close uh, in the coming weeks. So how do they plan for the health insurance for themselves and also their employees? So if the business is closing, um, then um, for the employees who are DC residents, they can go to dchealthlink.com and either sign up for private individual health insurance or, depending on income, uh, they may actually qualify for public insurance called Medicaid. And that's free. And that's all done also through dchealthlink.com. Now, if we've had situations where the business is not closing completely but is downsizing, so if you're downsizing then it's, and you can afford to hold on to your health insurance, my advice is you hold on to it because uh, the chances are if you don't offer coverage, you might be uninsured yourself as the owner. Uh, plus offering coverage gets you uh, lots of tax benefits. It's just uh, more cost effective than not offering coverage. Um, also, it's never good to be without insurance. You know, for many, it's the difference between staying financially 
secure or being in bankruptcy and losing everything if you get sick. So health insurance is both access to medical care as well as the financial security that people need. Absolutely. Thank you, Mila, uh, for that. And I think uh, one more time, your website? DCHealthLink.com. Great. And what I want to do is just uh, give folks a final opportunity uh, to wrap up uh, today, just to kind of give that final thought, what they want to share, uh, kind of what's top of mind that they want to leave with our uh, viewers. So we're going to go first over to uh, Marianne and ask her to uh, start us on the closeout. Yeah, I would just, thank you, Deputy Mayor. I would just say, if you feel like you need help, ask for help, right? That's what I would say, right? We all need help sometimes. So if you need help, ask for help. There is help available. Um, and you can email cscfoggybottom at gwu.edu. And Violetta? just want to say thank you again. And um, I really appreciate the Care for Creatives initiative. Um, I told a few friends of mine about it, and they said, wow, thank you for letting us know, and I plan on, um, you know, spreading that message. And, um, yeah, if anyone watching this knows a business owner that really wants to share their story with me, please feel free to contact me, um, violettamarkelu.com. There's a contact form, and I would be happy to, to uh, know, speak with you and work with you and know your story. Violetta, thanks for giving the website because I was going to draw it out of you if you hadn't given it. Uh, Sean, best advice for folks as they prepare to apply for the surgery grants or other uh, programs that we have? Uh, just to say uh, to look at the requirements of eligibility uh, while you're applying. And if you if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at nightlife.dc.gov. Uh, this is one of the ways that we, you know, in, in partnership with our agent, sister agencies, uh, we were able to provide this grant opportunity. Uh, we know that for some uh, who are not open and had to close down, um, you know, this, this opportunity uh, doesn't fit their, uh, their situation. However, uh, for those businesses that are still, you know, trying to make ends meet and trying to survive uh, as, the, as the weather starts to change, we wanted to be able to help defray some of the costs that some of these businesses uh, will experience. So we encourage everyone to apply. There's still uh, there's still some time to submit an application, and uh, we look forward to, to working with you all. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. And Mila? Uh, thank you. So um, we're here to help you. Go to dchealthlink.com, and please let us help you and stay insured. <laughs> Thanks, Mila. Uh, just also a uh, reminder for folks that we will, uh, or DEMPED has out on, on its website, uh, demped.dc.gov, uh, a grant opportunity for uh, Great Streets. So if you're in one of the Great Streets corridors, our grant opportunity is open now, uh, and it closes on Monday uh, the 28th. Uh, so for those who businesses who are restaurants, retailers in uh, the Great Streets corridors, look to demped.dc.gov uh, for an opportunity. Uh, we also have information uh, on the site about what the Great Streets corridors are around the district. Uh, so it's a great time to check out uh, demped.dc.gov uh, on that grant opportunity as well. Uh, so we want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, we have gone over a lot of information uh, on today's uh, Recovery Weekly check-in. And so what we'll do is we'll make sure that we uh, continue to post information uh, on the coronavirus.dc.gov website uh, and look for the tab that says Recovery. 
just also a reminder that uh, testing is still available. Uh, if you call your doctor and your doctor for some reason is not able to provide you a test, uh, we have sites throughout the city uh, that offer testing uh, both in the morning and in the evenings uh, and even on uh, Saturdays. So look at coronavirus.dc.gov for all of that information as well. So thank you for tuning in and be safe and have a good day.